One thing about mama, she is going to make sure that everyone else is taken care of before she even thinks about treating herself. So if you are looking for the perfect gift to make mom feel special this Mother's Day, make sure you check out the Mega Moisture Duo from Osea Malibu because body care is self-care. Since 1996, Osea has been making clean, clinically proven, seaweed-infused skincare. So this Mother's Day, treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GSPP at OseaMalibu.com. Plus, you'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code GSPP for 10% off. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You can wish for it or you can work for it. You gotta work for greatness. If you ain't working, you should be working. Let's work. These are the Confessions of a Workaholic. Workaholic. Welcome to Confessions of a Workaholic, where we share the success secrets of fearless female entrepreneurs who are obsessed with success. This is your girl, Coriel. So excited to have you back for another week to get up close and personal with another boss. This episode is brought to you by Work. Pray Slay Weekend, which returns to ATL October 31st through November 3rd, 2019. For details on how you can attend the biggest and best women's weekend of the year, be sure to log on to workprayslay.com. So today we are talking to Dominique Broadway. Dominique is a personal finance expert, money therapist, entrepreneur, and trailblazing millennial dedicated to helping you demystify your finances and turn your dreams to reality. She's been featured everywhere from Fox, ABC, TV One, and many more. And I know that she has a ton of gems to share. So Dominique, are you ready to confess? I am. Let's get some confessions going. (laughs) So I was stalking your website and saw that you were the president of your dad's vending machine company at age 13. How in the world um, did you know that you (laughs) wanted to be involved in business at such an early age? And how do you think those early experiences have added value to your career? You know, it's so funny. Every time people like bring that up, I'll always forget about it because it was so long ago. 
Um, but I've always been like just an entrepreneur from the time of like, you know, just even helping my dad with his business to like selling bracelets when I was younger. Um, but I just always was really fascinated with like making money and making my own money because I felt like it allowed me to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Um, and I was always that kid who was like, I want to do what I want to do. and I don't want anybody to tell me I can't. Um, and so I think those experiences, it kind of really taught me like the hustle, you know, um, I really was able to like, you know, just kind of see how my dad would get up on Saturday mornings and we would like go and buy all the candy for the vending machines. And we would take the whole day and literally just like go around, um, filling up the various machines, like from, from the smaller ones that we had, just that just had like, you know, M&Ms and, you know, Skittles and pistachios. So like some of the bigger machines that had like potato chips and, you know, honey buns and things of that nature. And like, that's literally what we would do all day Saturday and then take all the coins and cash them in. And so it really just kind of put like the hustle in me of like getting up early and getting all that stuff done. Um, and then even learning like business development and finding new places to put machines when like, you know, like if office business went out of business or whatever. Um, so it was, it was really good. Um, I would say experience at that age. And then, so obviously like it's such a blessing growing up in a household with entrepreneurs because the Mm -hmm. lessons like start at birth versus, you know, you having to start at age, whatever you decide to um, launch a business. What was like, and I know there are many, but Mm -hmm. what was like the number one lesson that you learned in watching your dad uh, build and run his businesses? Well, you know, it's interesting. So, so I would say, I don't know. I, I learned a lot. So my, my dad was an entrepreneur legally and illegally. Um, so he was actually in prison the first five years of my life. So that's from his illegal business. Um, and then my, my mom had numerous businesses. Um, and then so my stepfather as well. So um, my stepfather was the only one who really grew his business to um, a multi-million dollar company. But I think just seeing everyone and how they operated so differently in their uh, respective businesses, I think the biggest lesson I learned was really just like, I don't know, I would, I would say being consistent. Um, and I think that's one of the things that made like my stepfather's business grow so, so, so large that he was consistent on a daily basis. He went out, he made the sales. Um, you know, he built his team, you know, he worked Sunday to Sunday, um, and he was consistent and he got it to a point where, you know, he was able to grow it and have employees and, you know, and he became one of the, uh, top, um, uh, authorized dealers for ADT security alarms in the country. He was like number 40 out of like 5,000, which was crazy. Um, so I think just seeing him being consistent on a daily basis was one of the biggest and most important lessons I learned that was in any business, you have to be consistent. You know what? People hate to hear this, but like Mm -hmm. if you're looking for a secret sauce, it's consistency. If you're looking for the get, well, not even get rich quick because consistency (laughs) is going to be a journey. But people, I talk to people all day long who are like, girl, how do you make consistent income? And my answer is always consistency. You have to be doing things on a consistent basis if you want. People hate, people hate to hear that. They They hate hate that. If people ask me, I'm like, oh, how did you grow your business? Like, what did you do? It seems like, you know, you just started and it took off. No, 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 no. I've had a business for like five years. Like, I've been consistent (laughs) for five years. You know, you just don't see that in the beginning. But yeah, nobody wants to hear that. And there's no easy way. Like, there's no, Uh -uh. there's no shortcut to success. That thing is really real. Like, it's a day in, day out 
Sunday to Sunday, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so it being in the finance uh, industry, why do yeah. you think money is a topic that so that makes just so many people uncomfortable? Like, why do we have, aside from us not having any, like, obviously, yeah. if you, don't have anything, <laughs> you probably don't want to talk about it. But aside from that, like your personal situation, yeah. uh, just as a society, money is like mm-hmm. something that we just don't talk about. Why do you think that is? You know, it's, it's interesting. It's still hard to kind of figure out exactly why. A lot of times it depends on how you were raised, right? So what I've realized is like people who grew up poor, they don't talk about money because they're maybe sometimes ashamed that they're poor. They're ashamed they don't have enough money. And so that's why, you know, you, you ask, you know, how much did this house cost? And your parents like, you don't ask people that, you know, how much do you make? Like, you don't ask people that. And so growing up, because your parents are constantly telling you, like, you don't ask people that. You don't ask about this. You don't ask about these numbers when you get older, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't, I'm never going to ask my significant other how much they make. And it's kind of ingrained in us as a, you know, as a child. So versus, you know, wealthier families, they're talking about the financial decisions that they're making in the household. Um, And so they're not ashamed of what they have. And I know even me growing up, I mean, we weren't, we weren't poor, but we weren't super, super wealthy either. We were definitely like, I would say middle-class. But essentially like my parents talked about money all the time, right? especially my mom she was hot we would sit down we would pull out a checkbook figure out what her checkbook is i would see her pay the rent you know see her pay her car note see her pay the light bill see how she um actually what is it called balance her checkbook i can't even remember the terms because they're so old nowadays um but we had those conversations but she also was an accountant so she didn't even graduate college but she was a, she was an accountant um and so she was maybe more used to talking about numbers and even with my grandparents they always talk about about um about money but most of our generation like we do not talk about like we'll talk about sex all day long we'll talk about what everybody else is doing with everybody else but we will not talk about our finances and so we have to realize that it's not something that we should be ashamed of um you know we've all been well you know maybe had some money come in we've all been dirt poor i know i have i talk about all the time um but it's not something that we should be ashamed of it's something that one thing that everybody in this world has in common is, is money or some form of currency that they have to use in order to transact to get goods or services. Absolutely. And just the more that we have the conversations, the more that we can learn from one another, the more that I can share the mistakes I made, the more that, you know, the more that you can mm-hmm. share the lessons that you've learned and just opening up the the space to have the conversation, I think is just so important. And one thing that um, I think was a blessing for you, aside from having a family that talked about money, you mm-hmm. actually worked for a brokerage firm managing yeah. the money of wealthy people and just being in the space of wealthy people and seeing how they move, how they think, how they invest. Yes. Like, I know that that was a priceless experience. So can you just share some of the things that you picked up um, from that experience alone, like that other people are doing yeah. other conversations that are being had that we just aren't privy to? Girl, let me tell you, it, we, it, it's a whole nother party going on. Like, <laughs> it's so interesting to see how the wealthy move, how they operate the things that they care about, the things they don't care about, the things that poor people care about or people with less money care about, they don't care about. They don't care about the cars they have. They don't care about the clothes they have on. Um, They really care about taking their money, growing it and making it work for them. And they also care about creating legacy, generational wealth, um, instead of just impressing somebody on Instagram. Like that's not what they're worried about. And so, you know, working at at those firms and seeing, you know, those accounts that literally have, you know, five, $10 million in their investment account, which is almost just like a pretty much a savings account 
that allows you to actually place trades and invest. Um, this this wasn't you know money that they were touching on a, on a frequent basis. But the biggest lessons I learned is that you have to live within your means. And just like that consistency message that nobody wants to hear, you nobody also wants to hear they have to live within their means. The only way that you can get wealthy is if you live within your means. If you don't live within your means, I can guarantee you a life of poorness. I can guarantee you. And so when working with so I mean, wealthy people, that's one of the things they always do. They keep their expenses extremely low and they take all the extra money and then they invest it and then they grow it. And that's how they're able to take, you know, a dollar and turn it into 10. Um, and I think that that's really one of the biggest lessons I learned was literally living within your means and then also, um, you know, not wasting your money on frivolous things, only buying assets, not buying things that will depreciate in value. So example, you buy a sweatshirt today, you know, you people out here buying a hundred dollar white t-shirt. And then, you know, after four washes, it don't work, right? That's crazy. Um, you know, you can't even wear it anymore. It's yellow. So, you know, take what if you took the hundred dollars and you bought some stock and it grew. You see what I'm saying? Like it's those little teeny things that wealthy people are doing, wealthy people are talking about and teaching their kids that other people are not. So, so true. And one thing that I saw um, on your website that I just thought like, man, why are we not talking about this? Mm -hmm. You had a blog post about preparing financially for your first child. This is Mm. something that I have literally never heard people discuss, which I think is (laughs) crazy. Like years ago when I was doing um, the Single Wives Club, one of the workshops Mm -hmm. that we did was with a doctor and it was like preparing your body for pregnancy Mm -hmm. because we don't talk about that either. But Mm -hmm. it's like we know as women, nine times out of 10, we have these goals to become a wife, to become a mother, to become Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. But what are we actually doing to prepare for it? So what are like a few tips um, of things that we can do now, even if we're Mm -hmm. not looking, you know, to have a baby in the next like six months or a year, but (laughs) you know, what can we do um, to just start preparing now if we know that children are a part of the plan? Yeah, so there's a, there's a few things you can do. I met one, one um, I had a client one time and she, she was over preparing. She hadn't even, she didn't even have a man yet, um, but she actually had already started saving for her, <clears throat> for her future children to go to college. I thought that was a little, little obsessive, but <laughs> like you don't have to be that prepared. But essentially, um, I think some of the biggest things you want to, you want to do is like, first of all, figure out you know, what the, um, what the childcare situation is going to be. I think that's one of the biggest things, like when I'm helping my clients, like navigate that first child, they totally forget about childcare. Everyone's thinking about buying a stroller and buying, you know, a crib and things of that nature, but your biggest expense is going to be childcare. So it's like taking the time to research, like how, what's the average cost for childcare in, um, you know, in, in this area. Cause a lot of times it can be another $1,500, dollars $2,500 a month. And so sometimes couples have to sit down and have that conversation. Like, does it make sense for you to continue to work the, the, the man or the wife or, you know, whoever it is, um, or does it make sense for them to, to, um, you know, continue to work or stay home based on how much the costs are going to be. So I would say definitely starting to save as if you are paying for, um, childcare now. So if it's, you know, it's going to be $1,500 a month, start saving $1,500 a month, like a couple months after you find out that you're having a baby. In addition to that is childcare, right? So start researching like how much higher will your childcare costs be now that you're adding another person on, because sometimes it can take it up another hundred or $200 a month. And for some people, you know, that could be a huge, um, shift. And I think in addition to that, just start adding on the fact that you're bringing a whole another person, a whole another human. So sometimes for some people, they have to, 
relocate, get a bigger place. So I would say just start researching, like, what are those increased costs going to be with you adding another person into the household? Um, and I was talking to a client last week who they're preparing to have their second child. So now they're like, well, what do we need to do to prepare to have this second child? Because now we're going to we're gonna have to get a bigger house. We have to start paying for childcare again. You know, things of that nature, like you have to start thinking about those things in advance so that you're not struggling to make ends meet once the baby gets here. Baby, I don't know <laughs> how y'all pay these daycare bills. I just, Listen. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, I need to look, I'm going to research nannies because I just cannot imagine that a nanny costs that much more than daycare. I just, well, you yeah. know what, actually, depending on where you are, like what area, a lot of people realize that it was actually cheaper to have a nanny versus paying um, for childcare. Cause also too, even when you pay for childcare, like you send the kid to childcare, that's, that price is just for them to watch them. That doesn't include exactly. no food, no like, clothes, all that stuff like that. So for a lot of people, like some people have done the research, like, you know what, it's cheaper for me just to get somebody to come to my house and watch my baby here. But usually after some time, sometimes people do, you know, maybe after the first year or so, they want to have a kid around other children. So then that, you know, kind of, having them you know uh, in a facility that the price can go a little higher since i'm depending but you know definitely research the cost of having um a nanny versus putting them into a uh, actual you know childcare facility listen if i gotta set up weekly play dates with my home girls for, for socialization <laughs> <laughs> we will do it that's, that's all you need right? listen, these daycares are robbing us yeah that's um, a good business to be in by the man way. Like, as sure long is. as people are making babies like it's gonna be a thriving business <laughs> seriously um okay so what would you say is like one of or a few of the biggest money myths amongst um, millennials specifically, like the whole one that mm -hmm. I like to think about when it comes to like, just life is like mm -hmm. the get good grades, get a good job, get those good benefits and live <laughs> happily ever after. And that is not, yeah. the what are some that you think are related to, uh, related to, related to finance that we've like been led to believe that's just absolutely not true? Oh yeah. I think you, the, the, what you already said, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think that's one of the biggest ones. Like, you know, you get grades, you, you, you do exactly what you're supposed to do. You go to college, you know, you get educated and you'll come out and you get this good job and then everything will be perfect. And, you know, things will be great financially. As you can see, that did not work that well. People are, people are graduating, they're underemployed, which basically means they're, you know, basically getting positions that a lot of times they could have got if they didn't even go to college but the only difference is now they have like all these student loans so i think that that's probably a myth that you you know you, you're guaranteed a good position if you go to college and that's why there's so many people are starting to go like to trade school and learning to code and things of that nature because you can make the same amount of money but graduate with no pretty much little to no debt um and make more money um i think another myth is um probably revol surrounding credit i think people there's just so many myths and like misconceptions with credit um, even like a little myth, like, you know, people feel like they can't check their own credit score. I think this is like one of the, the biggest myths that's out there that's annoying. People like, oh, I hadn't looked at my credit score because it's going to make my score drop. And it's like, what the hell? What are you talking about? Like, it's your score. You can look at it <laughs> as much as you want. It's when other people are looking at it, um, which can kind of trigger, you know, your, your score to fall with some of the people looking at it. But I think that like, those are, are two, um, two big ones. I think other myths that, myths that I hear every now and then, like, I hate hearing women say that they can't buy a house before they get a husband. Like, that frustrates me or a significant other. Like, 
that's so frustrating. I think that that's like the dumbest thing ever. People are like, oh, I'm going to wait till I find someone to buy a home. Like, why are you delaying your wealth building until you find somebody else? So I think that's silly. Um, and I was, I was 22 when I bought my first house and I bought it, of course, by myself. Um, and it was a great like initial investment for me. So I think those are some of the biggest things that I hear people say that like, it's like annoying. Um, but yeah. So I want to talk about like the dreaded B word that I personally hate and that's budget. Um, (laughs) I just feel like I'm just like, I don't like rules. So I feel like a budget is nothing but like me giving myself rules. And I know you probably hate when people say things like this. So I'm sorry. Yeah. But I hate, I hate, I hate rules. Hate I hate rules. <laughs> so what, what is like a trick or like a mm-hmm. step in the right direction um, for budgeting and saving? Like, is there something that I could be doing to like trick myself into like putting money away? And then I look up and one day I got like thousands of dollars saved. Like what is something <laughs> that I can be doing to just take a step in the right direction? So I would say the first thing is to shift your mindset, right? And not think of it as budgeting, not think of it as rules. Think of it as you being the CEO of your finances and you telling your money exactly what you want it to do. That's pretty much all budgeting is. It's not limiting you. It's actually giving you more control so that you can say, okay, dollar, I want you to go here. Okay, $5, I want you to go there. Okay, $100, I want you to go do this. Think of it that way, where now you're being in control of your money instead of you feeling like you're not in control. That's the biggest thing I hear all the time. Like, oh my God, Dominique, I'm like, not in control of my money. I don't know where it is. It's doing all this stuff. And it's like, get in control, become the CEO of your finances, and tell your money exactly exactly what you want it to do. So if you sit down and say, okay, I know I'm bringing in $3,000 this month. I'm going to pay my rent. I'm going to pay this. I'm going to pay this. I'm going to pay this. I'm going to invest this. Now you have control. So I think for most people, it's literally just taking simple steps, like looking at your bank account every day. I look at my bank account, at a bank account every single day, probably twice a day for a lot of you, because there's transactions happening throughout the day. Um, you know, money coming in, bills getting paid, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I think something as simple as looking at your bank account every morning, I mean, it sounds simple, but do it. Like people will wake up, check their Instagram, and then go throughout their day. Like, Wake up, check your Instagram, check your bank accounts. Like it's it's a simple process. So obviously there's apps out there, <laughs> excuse me, that make budgeting easy. You know, like Mint, Personal Capital, all these awesome ones that are that are great too. Um, but even if you don't want to go the app route, you can literally just start checking your bank account on a daily basis. But in addition to that, you can even set alerts. So for my business accounts, I get alerts every time any money comes in and any money goes out. So I'm aware all day long of the current uh, balance in the business bank account, but also all the transactions that are happening. So you just have to shift your mindset to become the CEO of your finances. Listen, that was a perfect segue for my next question, because I need (laughs) to know like one or two books that will help us wrap our mind around money. Um, Because I know that it's a mindset thing. Like everything is mental. Um, Money definitely is one of those as well. So what are like one or two books that are easy reads. So mm-hmm. for anybody out there, no matter what level they are on with their uh, finances, what something or a couple of resources that could help? Yeah, two, two of my favorite books when it comes to money mindset would definitely be Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I read that probably in high school when it first came out. It's, it's an older book now, technically. Um, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great book if you're struggling with you know, this poor versus wealthy mindset and using your money to buy things versus using your money to invest it and getting out of that rat race. 
Um, so that's the first one, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The second one, and that's by uh, Robert Kiyosaki. The second book would be by Jen Sincero. Um, I think it's it's called like, like, like you're, you're a badass yeah, at making you're money. You're a badass at making money. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, I'm like, what is it? So I like all those books I love. So yes, you're a badass at making money. I think it's a great book to get people out of the mindset of like, you know, I can't make money. I'm not worthy of money. And sometimes people literally have that mindset where they feel like they're not worthy <clears throat> of money. And so it's like literally having like these mental blocks when it comes to, ma- especially entrepreneurs, how making money and, and feeling guilty sometimes at how easy it's coming in, or, you know, and things, it's interesting. So I would definitely recommend those two books. Love, love, love it. And the apps you mentioned is Mint. And what was the other one? Uh, Personal Capital. Personal capital. All right. So mm-hmm. let's switch gears um, for a minute and talk about your personal journey to success. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you started your career pretty young at like 13, yeah. but can you, <laughs> pinpoint, can you pinpoint how you discovered your purpose? Yeah. Um, it was interesting. I'm, I'm still, I'm still discovering it. Like, I don't think you ever, like you get it, but I think it, it changes over time. Um, I think you have, I believe we all have purposes, different purposes, different points in our lives. So I discovered my initial purpose, which was being with finances probably when I was really young, just because I became really obsessed with, with money and how it worked and like how to make it work for me um, and how to grow it. And then realize, realizing after college that I was like the only one that was taking the time to understand this stuff. Um, and so when I graduated college, I had like a 2.3 GPA, but still managed to get a job at the top of a management firm um, in the world bought my first house at 22 and I graduated a semester late and I bought my house before I graduated college and my friends were like what the hell were you doing differently than what we were doing and I'm like y'all weren't like trying to save y'all coins and like you know what I mean preparing to graduate and they're like no and that's where it, really, it made me realize like holy crap like I literally graduated a semester late literally had a 2.3 GPA and I graduated with no student debt and I'm doing better than all these people who had a, more of an advantage than me um, and so that's when I realized that I had like a little bit of a, of a knack when it came to finances. And so after working at these firms and working under, you know, at these large wealth management firms and seeing how the wealthy operated, you know, I literally just went in one day and quit my job and was like, you know what, <clears throat> I want to do something else. This isn't what it was, this isn't what I wanted to do. Um, and so my friend just kept coming to me asking me for financial advice. And I was like, you know, you have to have at least a million dollars to become a client of the firm that I was working at. And so after saying that over and over again, like literally telling people you don't have enough money to get financial advice, it, it was stupid. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take all the information I have and help people that don't have access to millions and millions of dollars. Because in our profession previously, like you, everyone's going after the 1%. So I figured if everyone else was going after the 1%, I'm going to go after the 99%, which gives me a lot more people to go after. Um, and that's pretty much how like that initial passion kind of kicked off so just really wanting to educate people so they had the same information that I had so what do you say to people who feel like they know their purpose like they know what they're being called to do but they have no clue how to turn it into profit what's your best advice you know I think I don't I think it's interesting that's a good question I don't think that all of our purposes necessarily have to be monetized I think that's where sometimes people get a little confused where they're like, I really love this thing, but I don't know how to make money from it. Not everything, not all of our passions are supposed to be turned into to profit. So for some people, they have a great like nine to five that they enjoy working at. 
Um, but they don't, you know, but maybe what they they love to do, maybe what they're actually passionate about, uh, maybe it's something that you, you know, you may not monetize, but something that you can just do in your spare time. So don't focus so much on, you know, trying to monetize that thing because sometimes it's it's not meant to be monetized. Very, very true. And that's definitely a different way, um, a different perspective to consider um, because so often, and I think social media is like a gift and a curse because it em- it empowers us, it inspires us, it motivates us, but then it also makes us sometimes, well, not even sometimes, a lot of times compare what we want to do with what we see other people doing or, or where yes. we are with where other people are. So you definitely have to know that, first of all, there are multiple purposes that you were put on this earth, um, you know, to carry out. And like you said, some of them are not meant, you know, to be profitable. Yeah. All right. Last question. Mm-hmm. Um With relationships like being so crucial to your Mm -hmm. career, whether it's like climbing the corporate ladder or, you know, your entrepreneurial journey, what's your best advice for starting and nurturing genuine relationships that could potentially turn into profitable partnerships? Um, I think this is probably one of the things I'm like really, really good at. (laughs) Um, I think what's most important is honestly to not go into these relationships or whatever, asking for stuff. You know, sometimes like I I met a couple people that I really want to be my mentors, but I didn't just say, oh, I want you to be my mentor. I had a call with them and I, you know, asked them a couple questions, but it's really like, well, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And they were so surprised because most people are taking from them. So I think a lot of times offering up your skills, your ability, your network, whatever to, to other people, um, before just automatically taking from them. And sometimes, you know, a lot of the relationships that, that, I've, that I've made, they weren't necessarily turned into something that, that, that day. Sometimes it's literally, you're just nurturing the relationship. You're hitting them up for coffee or drink when you're in their, in their city. Um, and then from there, you know, it may turn into something profitable a year later. Um, so I would say, take the time and really try to nurture the relationship and not just going and asking and taking and taking, because no one wants another taker in their life. So make sure you're adding value um, to their lives as well, because people want people around that are at it, not taking away. Listen, that is worth money right there. It just yeah. the simple question of how can I serve you? How can mm-hmm. I help you? What can I do? That is a game changer. I hope that y'all have been taking notes. Dominique, <laughs> I have truly enjoyed this conversation and I know Thank that you, my Sarah. listeners, yes, I know that they appreciate all of these gems that you've been dropping. Please let them know where they can find you online, how they can hire you to help you help them get their money together and how they can connect with you on social media. Yeah. So our website is just finance, yeah, financesdemystified.com. Um, my social is pretty much Dominique Broadway. Like I spend most of my time on IG. So pretty much just catch me in, in one of those places. And, uh, you, there's links to, to everything else from one of those. This has been another game changing episode of confessions of a workaholic meant to empower and encourage you to get that ass to work. You already have everything you need to get everything you want. If you are willing to do the work, I love you. See you next week. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. 
It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.